Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says this, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Father, I ask and I pray that you might give strength today. Lord, I thank you and praise you for the songs that were sung today. Lord, you are our defender. And God, even when we feel like we're in the valley as we sang that song, Lord, you are there. And Lord, I pray that you might just help us to look to you, whether we're on the mountaintop or the valley or somewhere in between, I pray that we might keep our eyes fixed on you, that we might not be weary in well-doing. God, may we serve you to the end. I pray that you might speak to hearts now this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This past Tuesday morning, I don't normally do this, but I checked my text uh, early in the morning, actually before I got out of bed. And I read a text from one of my daughters, and here's what it said. She said, I can't believe one year ago today, which was last Tuesday, I can't believe one year ago today, mom was going into surgery, and now she's gone. It is so heartbreaking. So heartbreaking. The most horrific surgery that you could imagine and Joy did not even make it one year. The age-old question that everyone asks at times in their life is the question, why? Why is a haunting question. Why did Joy get cancer in the first place? Why did she have to have this kind of a surgery and it didn't even work or did not save her life? Why did she have to leave us? Why did Joy have to leave us this soon? Last week I preached on the subject, when death and despair devastate, to whom should we go? And today I want to preach to you on the subject when death and despair devastate. Now, what should we do? And I want to give to you three very, very, very simple but profound biblical points of what we should do, without a doubt. Number one is we must keep on trusting him. We must keep on trusting him. But wait a minute. We prayed. We trusted. We believed. And yet all of us know that joy is no longer here. Why would I preach a series like this at this time? Honestly, I feel like I must. You'd say, why? Because a lot of kids in our church prayed and prayed and prayed for joy. And they ask, why? Many adults in this church prayed for joy, and many adults have asked, why? Many people that are watching online, and many of them are people that are not in Cincinnati, Ohio, but are around the country, have asked me the question or texted me or emailed me, why? My grandkids have definitely asked, why? My kids have asked the question, why? I have asked the question, why? So what do you do when we trusted God and it didn't turn out the way we trusted him for? What do we do? We keep on trusting. We keep on trusting. Hey, did you know that why is a biblical question? Did you know that? 
Because a lot of times you'll hear preachers say, don't ever ask God why, but you go search the scriptures and you'll find that almost all of them asked why. Moses prayed, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people in Exodus chapter 5, verse 22? Joshua cried and he said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? Why did you bring us over the Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? David prayed in Psalm 22, verse 1, Why are you so far from helping me, Lord, and from the words of my groaning? Jeremiah mourned, and in Jeremiah 14, 19, he said, why have you smitten us, and there is no healing for us? Did you know that even Jesus Christ on the cross cried out, my God, my God, what? Why have you forsaken me? In the book of Job alone, 29 times you'll find the word and the question, why? Job cried out, why, O Lord, why, why, why? But although Job did not know the answer to the why, he kept trusting God. He kept trusting God. For example, in Job chapter 1, verse 21, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, Job said. What did he say next? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job 13, verse 15, he said, though he slay me, though God slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job 19, verse 26, for I know, he said, that my Redeemer liveth and that he should stand at the latter day upon the earth. And then he said, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. You see, Job didn't understand the, uh, the why. He didn't have the opportunity like you and me to read Job chapter 1 before it all happened. He didn't know why. But he consistently, through the hardship and the despair of it all, he trusted God. I don't know about you, but it seems in life that more than not, we just don't get the answer to our why question, do we? We rarely get that answer to our question why, but that must not prevent us from trusting that God has answers. And one day, someday, he will reveal those answers to us in his good timing. But may our lack of answers do something. May our lack of answers drive us to Jesus Christ. We have cancer patients all over our church. We have some who have gone through it and they're survivors and we have too many that have gone through it and they're no longer with us. But all cancer patients and their families know that treatments of cancer consume their life for a period of time. The chemo, the radiation, the nausea, the medication, the runs to the pharmacy, the fatigue, figuring out what you can eat and what you can't eat. And you go through all those things, and why do you go through them? Because you have hope. Because you trust that God's going to use these tools to somehow, for many of you, You've survived for years and you've gone through that. But every cancer patient and their family know that it consumes your life. It's so hard to know what to do when cancer comes upon a body. It's so hard to know what avenue to take and you pray and you try to figure it out and you do your research and, you, and we chose to believe God and we chose to take action, both surgery and praying 
treatments and trusting. I may have shared this with you, but before Joy had her major surgery just one year ago this past week in Columbus, she was in her office and at church, or excuse me, at, at home, and she was on the phone with Dr. The doc, one of the oncologists who's treated her since 2012 and she said to him, she called him by name and she said, will I make it through the surgery? And I never forget because she, he was on speakerphone and there was a long pause and he said, Joy, I'm more concerned that the cancer will come back, which we were shocked. So we just trusted God. When you trust God and it doesn't go your way, what do you do? You keep trusting. Job said, though he slay me, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Now let me say to you that trusting God is not a component of feelings. Because if you go on your feelings, you're going to be so confused. Just absolutely confused. Feelings are a crazy thing, aren't they? Feelings are so, can, can, can be good, but they sure can mess you up too, right? So it's not a product of feeling, but rather it is a product of choosing. It is that we choose to trust God. A number of months ago, I began journaling just one chapter in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. I just was done with one portion of what I was studying for my own quiet time, and so I just chose to begin to study one chapter and journal that. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about the heroes of faith, and I wanted to see what those guys and those women, what they did, and how God commended them so much, and how he put them in the, in the chapter of the heroes of faith. And you know what I found? As I studied that in journal, that some of those people, some of them had great things take place right here on this earth, and amazing things took place. And the Bible says they had great faith. They trusted God. Some of them saw such amazing things take place on this earth, like crossing the Red Sea. But others of them were tortured for their faith and for their walk with God. Some of them stood strong for the Lord Jesus Christ and God didn't leave them on this earth. But rather, what took place was through faith, Moses, he went through the Red Sea. Through faith, Joshua led them across the Jordan River. Through faith, Rahab hid the spies. Through faith, David slew Goliath. Through faith, and the list goes on and on and on of all these amazing things that took place. And then at the end of the chapter, it talks about those that had faith in God, but they were tortured and killed. Doesn't seem to go in the same chapter, does it? But there is one thing that I found in all of them. They all looked for an eternal city. All of them, regardless of how it turned out, they were trusting God. I believe Joy was a woman of faith. I lived with her. I knew her better than anybody on the face of this earth. But she still had some questions. But through every question she ever had through this past year, she trusted God. Let's face it. There are plenty of times in life when God just doesn't make sense to us. And for us to try to pretend like we've got all our Sunday faces on and 
act like, no, we always understand God. You and I both know that's just not true. Oftentimes, life doesn't make sense. God can be difficult to understand. His ways do not always make sense to us. They don't always measure with our thinking. And trusting God does not. Trusting God does not exclude struggle and sorrow and heaviness and despair. When the sun goes down at times, it can be overwhelming, can it? Driving down the road, and I got to pull over because I can't drive. You see an old picture, and it hurts. Open the refrigerator and see her new diabetic applesauce that she had to eat because we may not understand. But we must continue to trust. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said some things that are very relevant to the subject today. He said, we don't want you, brethren, to be ignorant of our trouble. You know what Paul's saying there in that very first phrase? Let me tell you all about my struggle. Wonder why Paul felt like he had to tell everybody about his struggle. Probably because everybody thought Paul was something that they looked like he was up there and they were all down here. So he says to them, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he says, let me tell you about my trouble. I don't want you to be ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. They were pressed out of measure. What's that mean? I can't even put it into words, he said. Above strength in so much that we despaired even unto life. Go figure that one out today, this week. What's he talking about? He despaired unto life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. And here's the conclusion he comes to. Because life was so amazingly heavy and so deep and so filled with despair, even despaired unto living, he said, we better not trust in ourselves, but we better trust in God, which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Friend, when God allows stress to come into our life, when he understands, when we, when we see that stress and the despair unto life like Paul did, understand that God wants to do something in our life. He wants to move us closer and closer to him. When the struggles and the despair of life come in, you and I have a choice. We have a choice. We can do one of two things. We can either lean away from God or we can lean into God. Do you know what? Pain is the high cost of growth. You know what I tell myself? Brent, You better not waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. I'd rather cast my lot with a God that I don't always understand than to cast my lot with people. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, don't let Satan blow out the candle of your hope. So the first thing we better do when death and despair devastate us, we better keep on trusting him. There's a second thing. Simple, yes. Profound, depends on your definition of profound. Profound in the way from the standpoint that it's biblical, but from a message, not so much profound. But from a living standpoint, profound to be, for certain. When death and despair devastate, we better keep on trusting him. When death and despair devastate, we better keep praising him.
Would you turn to Psalm 103 or at least look on the screen? Psalm 103 is a great, great chapter. In fact, it's one that I've used before when I preach or give a challenge on at the praise service. It simply says this in verse 1, Bless the Lord or praise God. Bless the Lord. O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Notice, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, what a blessing that is. Who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. Is that not a great list? Did you get it? Maybe jot that down and, and read it this week. It's Thanksgiving week. It's a great, amazing list. But there's one phrase that jumps out to me, and maybe you figured it out already. Verse 3 who healeth all thy diseases. What about joy? He didn't heal her disease. He chose not to. Or did he? Jonathan Evans is the son, the grown son of Tony Evans. Tony Evans lost his wife, Lois. It'll be two years this coming December, I think, 30th. Jonathan Edwards, or Jonathan Evans, is one of his sons. He's on his staff at his church. They wrote a book, and I would encourage anybody and everybody who has lost a loved one to get the book. It's it's called Divine Disruption. It's just come out. It's all about, they all, all four of the grown kids, Pris, um, Priscilla Shire is one of, is Tony Evans' daughter. Most of you know that. And he has Anthony, who's a musician, and he has Jonathan, uh, who is, uh, uh, preaches and does other things, and Crystal. They all write in the book. Jonathan Edward or Jonathan Evans in one of his parts said that he questioned God. He questioned God by saying when his mother passed away, Lord, didn't we pray diligently and fast? Didn't you hear us calling, Lord? Didn't you hear us pleading? Didn't you hear us asking where are you, Lord? Jonathan Evans said that God eventually answered in this way. Just because I didn't answer your prayer in your way doesn't mean I did not answer. He said there were two and only two answers to your prayers. Either she would be healed or she would be healed. Either she would live, or she would live. Either she'll, she will remain here with family, or she will go to live with family. You know, a baby in a womb is two inches from a whole new world. You ever think of that? All they've known is nine months in a, in a belly. And they're two inches away from a whole new world. You know what? We're just two breaths away from a whole new world. 
if we're a child of God. Two breaths away. So we must choose. And I keep emphasizing choose. We must choose to praise Him through our tears. We must choose to praise Him through our despair. We must choose to say with Job, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, it was in Habakkuk, he also cried out, why? In chapter 1, verse 2, he asked that question, why, Lord, why, why? And then he comes to the end of seeking God, and he says in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, listen, read it very, very carefully. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the oil shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall. And the next phrase, what does he say? Yet, yet, yet shall I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You see, Habakkuk had resigned himself to who God was, and he had understood that even when he could not make sense of what God was doing, that he would still praise God. There are things about God we'll never be able to understand, but we must keep on trusting and we must keep on praising. That's what Paul did, sitting in a prison cell. That's what he did, beaten to a pulp. He sat in that prison cell and he just continued to praise somehow at midnight in a prison. Oh, trust me, trust me, to praise in the storm is far, far easier to talk about, teach about, preach about than to live. That's why it's a choice when we don't feel like it. We trust him. We keep on praising him. During this past year, I've studied Psalm 42 over and over and over again. I've read it so many times. and It's such an interesting passage of Scripture. Would you read it with me? Psalm 42, listen carefully, and I have a point to make, so read carefully with me. It says, as the heart, the deer, panteth after the water brooks, he said, so panteth my soul after thee, O God, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Notice verse 3. The tears, my tears, have been my meat day and night. What's he mean? I can't eat, I just cry. I don't feel like eating. He said, my tears have been my food while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. Verse 5, why art thou cast down within me, O Lord? O my soul. He's preaching to himself. That's what he's doing. Watch this. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Verse 9, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me. Well, they say daily unto me, where is your God? Verse 11, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet, notice, notice, I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You see, understand again, I read a different chapter last week. This is 
another chapter. And Absalom, his son, is chasing him, trying to kill him, trying to get his throne. It's a time of utter despair for David. And David is literally preaching a message to himself. You want to know who the greatest preacher to me is? Me, to myself. You want to know who maybe the greatest preacher you could ever listen to is? Maybe it's yourself. Preach messages and sermons from God's word to self. Preach them. David is preaching himself. Why, oh God, am I so down? Why am I so disquieted? Why do I not want to live? Why am I such in despair? Hope in God. That's his message. Hope in God. Praise God. David's preaching himself into praise. You know why? Because of the agony of his soul. Tim Lee called me this past week just to see how I was doing. You remember he lost his granddaughter, I think two years ago. You know what he said to me on the phone? He said, I would have rather stepped on 10 landmines than to have lost my granddaughter. So what do we do when death and despair devastate? We keep on choosing to praise Him. How do you do that? I'm trying to be as practical as I know how, okay? I'll get back to going preaching through 1 John I'm just trying to bear my heart and my soul to you, and I hope it's helpful because I surely wouldn't do it if it wasn't. How do you do that? I don't really feel like praising right now. So what do we do when we feel that way? It's a choice. Last Thanksgiving... I was sitting at the James Cancer Center and I walked into my wife's room early in the morning which was a praise because it was COVID and nobody could get in. For some reason, God favored us in that. And I walked in on Thanksgiving Day early in the morning. Every time I'd walk in, Joy would just smile. She could hardly talk, move, laid in the hospital bed. And that last Thanksgiving, she probably, I bet you didn't say four sentences to me the whole day. But I was so glad to be there. So, I sat there and I thought, what should I do? It's Thanksgiving. Brent, do the same thing you do every Thanksgiving. Get your prayer journal, which I had, and start writing down everything you're thankful for. Just a number of Weeks ago, I guess it'd be seven weeks now. Started Joy's last two weeks of her life. We didn't know that. When I came, and remember they booted me out of the hospital. Couldn't be with her, so she was by herself for a week. When I got word that I could come pick her up, they were going to discharge her, although she was in no shape to discharge, but they did me a favor and did her a favor and knew that it was the best thing for her, and it was. I walked out the door, and I thought, Joy loves flowers, and man, oh man, if there was any way I could have put flowers out in the front of the house, but I knew that wasn't a choice because I was getting ready to head to the hospital and come home. We're supposed to, I was supposed to discharge her, get her discharged about 1 o'clock, and you know how that works. 
was about five or six o'clock before we got in the car and headed home. I drove in, and the whole front yard was taken care of with flowers and mulch. I still don't know how that happened. But I wrote that down as a praise. In my journal those last two weeks, I wrote down in my praise area of my journal that Joy at least got home from the hospital because I wasn't sure where she was going to. I'm grateful and thankful, and I wrote down in my journal that I had two weeks with her at home before she passed. I listed down the daughters, as I told you last week, who basically lived there the last week with mattresses in our bedroom. I wrote down that Dr. Barrett came to visit Joy on Saturday, a home visit. I wrote down that every time, as Joy could hardly respond for the last five days or so, four days, every time, every time I bent over to kiss her on the lips, she was still able to form her lips and kiss me back, except for the very last 24 hours. I wrote down in my journal how I was thankful for that. I wrote down that I'm, praise God, that she peacefully passed. I didn't have time, and I wasn't about to take the time, and I don't know how all this works, but we needed and wanted a grave plot out at Graceland because my parents are there and other people in the church are there, and I didn't know where it would be or what it would be, but I didn't want to leave her side for the last two weeks while she was at home. But my son-in-law, Tim, just went and did, just went to see what they had available. And they had just four spots over from my parents. I wrote down in my praise area of my journal that all of our family was with joy when she passed, which was a blessing. You got to choose to praise. And when you don't feel like it, you got to write down your, the simple things that you're thankful for. I was almost done preparing my sermon on Thursday. And I was thinking about this very fact. I hope I can read this. Some ladies in the church went and put all of Joy's blogs together. And her blogs were from my heart to yours. And I opened this up and I just, my eyes fell on February 2nd, 2021. She wrote a long blog to the ladies of the church, but here's part of what she said, and it was right after her 12-hour surgery. She said, while I was in the hospital, the Lord, through loving ministry friends, provided my family with a lovely condominium in downtown Columbus. On the eighth floor, with two walls of windows, looking out to the city, it became a haven for my husband as he went to and from the hospital daily. It was also a place of rest for our daughters, as they could only see me via FaceTime but cared for their dad with food and support as he came in and out. We were blessed to begin the healing process there in Columbus for two weeks after the hospital stay. Friends from Cincinnati kindly brought a hospital bed and table for me. They even took it to our home when I got back to Cincinnati. See how good the Lord is when we are out and at our lowest. He's there to meet needs and uplift our spirits. Faithful is he. And then she said, before we move on, I want to mention a few special gifts God gave me through that condo. And I want to tell you, Joy was in agony. It was two weeks in the hospital. It was unbearable. And two weeks to three weeks at Columbus. It was beyond words. That's what I'm saying. 
She says, before, before we move on, I want to mention a few gifts God gave me through that condo. The view looking out at the city was a good distraction for my mind. The view included church bells ringing, a group of birds always on the move, beautiful Christmas lights, and here's her point, and here's my point to you today. God can use small things to renew our minds. The condo was roomy for all to have their space. Lastly, it was peaceful, perfect for healing and bed rest. She went through and wrote some other things in the last paragraph. Here's what she said. Presently, we are in the radiation chemo phase of healing. Five days per week for five weeks for radiation. One of those days weekly for chemo. Going downtown daily is tiring. Looking to God to be my sufficiency. And here's what she said, her last sentence. He recently gave me 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 to hold on to. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Friend, I'm simply striving to tell you and preach to myself. We must keep on trusting. We must keep on praising. And last of all, we must keep on serving. We must keep on serving him. Tony Evans had called me. I've never met him personally. He called me in July. And then he called me in again. He calls, he's called me four times. You see, Tony Evans has a heart of empathy. You want to know why? Because in 2019, his younger brother passed away. Six months later, his niece, who was like a daughter, passed away. Then, his younger sister passed away. And shortly after that, his brother-in-law, who was married to his sister, passed away. Then Tony Evans' father passed away in November of 2019 just one month before his wife Lois passed away. Life can be so painful. A wayward child, an absolute financial crisis, a sickness that is debilitating, a death. So what do we do? Exactly what our text said. Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing. Let us not be weary in serving. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Friend, we must, I must, you must not lose focus. We must remember what God has left us on this earth for. God has left us here to serve him. It was an amazing thing. Just six days before Joy's passing, still able to communicate about six days, five days, not very well, but I was so trying to prepare her. I, I, I was trying to open up that door to talk with her and and. and try to figure out if she knew what was taking place and what was going on. And I, I bent down to her and I whispered in her ear and I said, I don't want you, Joy, to suffer anymore. We don't want you to suffer anymore. And I'll never forget it because she nodded her head up and down. I thought she was getting it. I'm still confused. I don't know. 
But then, hours later, she said to one of my daughters, she said, I just want to get back to being a wife and a pastor's wife. Joy was a fighter, a gracious fighter. Joy fought to serve the Lord all the way to the end. Friend, I ask you, don't you want to end well? Don't you want to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I have finished my course. If you say in your heart today, yes, I do, yes, I do, then we must, we must, we must keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If we do not keep our eyes fixed on him, we will never make it. We'll never finish well. I told you last week that I read and read over and over again 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the resurrection chapter. It's all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And oh, it comes and it just wrestles and shows us the logical steps that if Christ is risen, then we too will rise. And it gives us 57 verses about the resurrection of Christ. I love verse 19. It says, if in this life only... We have hope in Christ. If it's just that we have hope in the Lord and we serve the Lord in this life and he says that's it, then he said we are of all men most miserable. And his whole point is there's a resurrection coming. A resurrection is coming for those who belong to Jesus Christ and he comes to the very last verse, and you remember what he says? In verse 58, he says, Therefore, because of the resurrection of Christ and because of his resurrection, you too are going to rise again. He then says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in what? The work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What is he saying? Keep on serving him. So what do we do when we're knocked down? And just about knocked out. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. You remember, oh, God had told Isaiah, the prophet of God, the people of God are about to go into captivity. Babylon is about to take over. But God gives Isaiah amazing promises to share with the people, even though they're going to go into captivity, in despair. And the promises help dry up their tears in difficult days. And he shares with them some things. You know what he shares with these people that are in despair? He shares God's strength. He shares with them God's power. He shares with them God's knowledge and God's wisdom. And then he tells them things like, there's no nation. Babylon, man, they could take over anybody. And God says, there's no nation that can compare to my might. And then God said, all nations, powerful nations that rule the world, he said, they're like a drop in the bucket compared to me. That's what God said. And then he said in verse 18, to whom will you liken me? He said to Isaiah, the prophet of God, uh, who do you think you can compare to me? And then he gives some examples. He says, go and look at my creation. Go and view my creation. Go and study my creation. He said, look at the stars. He says, look at the galaxies. Look at the mountains. Look at the vast seas. And then he says in verse 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What do you mean? God, what do you mean they will mount up with wings like eagles? 
You know, baby, uh, baby eagles, they kind of have it rough. They're in that nest, and the mama eagle, what do they do? They take and they kick the baby eagle out of the nest, and the eagle tries to fly and flap its wings, and the mom swoops in and picks it up, takes it back to the nest, and it goes for trial number two, and maybe trial number three, until that baby eagle learns to fly. They that mount up with wings like eagles. Then he says, they shall run and not be weary. Hey, I know some of you are marathon runners, right? I mean, you, you, you love to run. And you know what they know? Anybody who runs long marathons, you know what they know? Uh, know? They hit the wall sometimes. They hit the wall. But God, when he, we hit the wall running, spiritually, when we hit the wall, guess what? God says, I'll give you a second wind and a third wind so you can go farther, even through the pain, even through the struggle, even through the despair. And then he says, they'll walk and not faint. So when we can no longer run, God says we can walk. And sometimes, sometimes, It may seem like we can only crawl, but just keep on moving forward. Just keep on serving. I'll be honest with you. God knows I'm tired. And I'm weary. There's some days hard to go on. But God helping me, I'm going to keep trusting him. And I'm going to keep praising him. And I'm going to keep serving him. I will keep on so that I can experience Isaiah 40, 31. And know what it means to mount up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint. And I say to you today, may God help you to do the same. May we be people who know how to trust.